Welcome to a nice, homely, sick, tired, <laughs> calm, one might say cozy genre of Ronin Geek official podcast. Mm, yeah, the after holidays edition. The after holidays editions, yes. The, the time when we just want to relax, be quiet, do nothing of importance or value, and just chill. Yeah. And, and, you know, immerse yourself in a world that is so devoid of people. It's almost like there's an apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're spending all of our time with our family. We just want to come home to our cat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that actually makes a whole... You know what? I hadn't considered that's why you... Cause, no, I think you played this before the holidays. I did play it before the holidays. Yeah. I played it after the holidays. Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. That makes a whole lot of sense. Um, no, I... This was an interesting game because I think this is one of our first games where it was a new game that came out that we're playing. No, most of our other games are older games that one of us have nostalgia or we loved in the past and we sort of wanted the other one to play. Now that past was probably a few years. This is the first one where it's a few months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very, very new. <laughs> yeah, so. it's it's interesting. Uh, so first of all, to start this off, my name is Plubby and Adam. And I am Plubby and Amanda. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, and we're going to talk <laughs> about Stray today. Yes. So, spoilers for Stray, all of it, mechanical, story, plot. Oh, yeah, lots of spoilers. You can't talk about this game without talking about spoilers. So. No, no, because that's really all it is, is narrative and some minor mechanics. Yeah. So, that being said, I guess we can talk about the questions we've got for each other. The, You know, this game, the show is all about the video games, the relationships they build between us, the things we each like, and sort of under little understanding each other mm -hmm. a bit more through our video game choices. Which are generally very different. Which are generally very, very different. Yeah. yeah. We very rarely like the same game. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, in this game, uh, this isn't one of those things where usually we have a long-winded historic tale of our life when the game came out and what, why it was so important to us. <laughs> why did you want to start playing this game specifically? Because uh, you play as a cat. Yeah. But... It, more than that. Honestly, I saw a lot of reviews about this game and honestly, people raved about how great it was as a game. And it fits into that niche of uh, the games that I like to play, which are generally considered, I think they have a title now of cozy games. I think that's a new, it air is, quotes, is, new genre. It Fairly is definitely new. a new genre. I don't know when it got coined, but I've heard it a lot in the last half a year. Yeah. So my life basically consists of playing cozy games now because they are therapeutic and comforting and I love them. So yeah, it's, it fits into that category. And honestly, I think it was oddly enough, you were gone away for the weekend, I think for a work trip and I was just kind of sitting in the house and I didn't really know what to do with myself and I was kind of bored and lonely. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to binge this game and basically until I'm done. So that's what I did. I think you were done it a lot sooner than you had originally anticipated. Yeah. Too. It really only took me a weekend and that was like <laughs> hardcore exploring, not quite a hundred percenting, but like really trying to most of the game. Well, I think so. I saw when I was loading up the game, you see sort of different unlocks that you have, like mm -hmm. basically your number of achievements or whatever. I think you're one away. Yeah, there was like one or two that I didn't get because I didn't know they were achievements when I first started out. So there was things that you needed to do in order to get them, like from the very beginning of the game that mm. I just didn't do. So I just didn't unlock them. But for the most part, I think I got everything else. So Yeah, that's fair. And, and when you spend a game, I, I think it's nice that you can spend a game 100%. And even then, when you do that, it's what? A 40-hour game to 100% it? Oh, not even. Like maybe 25, 30 hours. To 100%? Oh, yeah. Easily. Okay. I did not 100% this game. No, you did um, not. I, I think it's one of those, I, 100, I don't know why what games I choose to 100%. They're very rare. 
Yeah, I, like even, I don't even think you 100%ed Elden Ring and that's probably one of your most favorite games in the past year. I've wanted to, I've thought about it, but the yeah. problem is too many games come out and too many people want me to play different games with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have time to really dedicate. And I think I, it's also one of those things where I want to do it with someone else. Sure, and I, that's also a quite investment of time in order to do so, so. Yeah, I have to give up a lot of other stuff. Yeah. So when you play this game, I think I want to start with there, when you first you know, saw the the news about this game. You mm-hmm. looked at, into it. You said, this is the game I want to play. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you saw that it was an orange tabby. Yes, which is perfect thought, because we also have an orange tabby. Yeah, our, our cat O'Malley is an orange tabby. Uh-huh. 12 years old? Yeah, he's 12. 12 years old? He's an old man. Yeah, Um. so obviously that is what drew you in. And the, the art is an orange tabby that mm-hmm. reminded you of him. Was this game different than what you expected? Yes, absolutely. Uh, honestly, when I, f- when I first saw... Um, even like footage online of this game. Um, for some reason, I got more of the impression that it was a uh, more puzzly kind of detective game, I'll call it, um. where you kind of have to go around and like find clues and like solve puzzles, like very heavy on like the detective side. For, I don't know why I got that impression. Just from the online that I saw, I, I didn't really think of it as like a, um, I don't know, we'll call it like micro platformer puzzle game. Yeah. And I thought it was more of like an adventure game, I guess. More like a, almost like a click adventure, like a Monkey Island type Not of thing. Not even that, just like sort of like a free roam sort of, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe it. I, either way, my impression of it was very, very different. But I still liked it, especially aesthetically, um, from all the gameplay footage that I saw, people just like walking around the city or, you know, like looking from the tops of rooftops, I went, holy crap, that is a gorgeous looking game and I want to explore it. Mm -hmm. So when I first got into it, it was funny. I went through the tutorial and you get the sense of like, yeah, it's, it's kind of platformer esque, though very limited in its platforming. I would say, I would say the platforming is made fairly easy by, um, not, having to time your jumps or right you literally can't fail at it how about that it's it's literally just like walk up to platform and press whatever the key is not in the skill to be able to perform the jump it's knowing where to jump right it's finding the places you can jump to which is that's fine whatever it is what it is um but going through the tutorial i kind of i was very lost because they don't really there's I mean, they just drop you into a world, literally, literally, <laughs> literally you fall like a hundred feet and you're in this world and you're just sort of running around. You're like, what am I doing? Why is there random like prompts telling me to go places and there's lights glowing and I feel like I'm, I'm in stranger things and there's Christmas lights on the wall yeah. that are telling me to go somewhere and I have no idea what the fuck's going on and there's no people and no nothing. And it was just, it was very jarring, but I feel like it was almost intended to be. So I guess they did good on that part because it was. I don't know. They got that point across. Well, I think they did a very good job of, they kind of set up a tone of, hey, something's not quite right with this world, but you're a cat. So there's some familiarity there. Right, right. And you're the group of cats. It feels comfortable. And you're like, okay, where are we going with this? There's a level of unease, but it's not complete unease. Right. And then when they drop you, you're like, no, you're in a whole other world. Now you're alone. Mm. Figure it out. Yeah. And they don't give you much to go on, which I I think that was a great aspect of it. It's nope. This world is about exploring on your own. Uh Uh-huh. And um, they do that by not telling you the answers, by just letting you explore, because the game is explore. Oh, absolutely. And But the more I played of it, the more I realized, okay, no, it's literally about exploring. It's about exploring this very, very detailed, 
fleshed out world, even though it's kind of, it's not quite open world. You are bordered in where you could go, but it's big enough that it never feels like you're really that confined. Like there are so many little nooks and crannies that you can go and like worm your way into as a cat that you're like, holy shit, this, this is like really, really detailed. Yeah, I felt at first there was a moment when I think I first got into the main town, I guess you'd call it the first town, the slums. The slums, yeah, yeah. And I at first thought, whoa, this game is huge. I, this is going to be a huge world. And I got a little scared because I saw all these different prompts for places I could go. Right. There's subtle prompts, like, you know, paintings, like uh, spray paintings on walls and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, or the neon lights neon or lights, whatever, little, yeah. Little subtle, air quote, subtle hints as to where you could go. And I went, mm-hmm. As someone who understands game language very well, I recognize that those are things I could go do. And I went, oh my God, this is huge. Mm-hmm. And then as I went and explored them, I found that the game led me to those naturally. And there weren't as many as I initially anticipated. Yeah, it was very um, intuitive in the way that they led you to where you needed to go. Now, I will say that for a lot of the game, you explored far less than you could have, especially in the slums. Like in the slums, there was a lot of like little side quests that you could have done, people mm. you could have talked to to get more little like flavor nuggets of the world. Cause that's really what it's about. It's about finding these little like story, um, yeah. you know, sequences and scenes and as whatever. As far as I can tell, I got about 50-ish percent of the, we'll call it the, the memories. The memories, yeah, the, yeah. The extracurricular stuff. Yeah, so there was things that you did miss out on that I found because I obviously invested a lot more time into the game than you did. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, yeah, it, it was very, it never felt like I was lost by any means. I At always first, kinda, but then you kind of get your handle on things. Whenever you get yeah, it to a new map, yeah. you feel lost, you feel new. And I think they do a good job because when you first show up, everything's new and scary. And then as time goes on in that map, that city area that mm-hmm. you're in, you gain an understanding of, um, uh, that area, you gain confidence in that area. Right. I guess it's the best one. And it's funny that I never, I realized now that uh, in that game, you'd never have like a mini map or a world map. You never feel like you can just open up a map and go, oh, okay, I need to go here. You almost have to kind of remember like, oh, where is that building I need? Okay, well, it's in this alley. If I go down by, past this neon sign with this yeah. door painting or whatever. And it's good in that it, it gives you a sense of like, I don't know, almost, almost immersion. Oh, for sure. Right? Like, oh, if I was actually in the city, this is how I'd have to get my way around because I'm not going to have a fucking map or anything like that, right? And you're a cat. So, yeah. yeah. It, I think that's a good thing. I think I, in general, wish games had less maps mm. because I find, especially this game, I can actively remember everywhere I went and the map shape because I had to during gaming. And it didn't feel yeah. like I had to, uh, air quotes like oh otherwise you're punished right, for it. Right. It just felt like a natural thing that happened as I was interested in exploring the world. Mm-hmm. As I went out and I- interact with all these different things, you eventually was like okay. At first, go to the bar. Where the fuck is the bar? And you spend X number of time exploring the bar. Right, right. And then you find the bar. And you're like okay, great, I got the bar now. But but through the act of looking for the bar you've mapped out a good chunk of that map. Right, you find all the things that lead you to the bar, right? You find, I don't know, like the laundromat or the the little old lady's clothing shop or, you know, whatever, all those little like niche places that are kind of on your exploration way to finding the main goal, I suppose. Yeah, and there was a, and I distinctly remember this being of value because there was a mission where um, I had to get a, like a cloak 
or a poncho. Oh yeah, for yeah, like made of uh, extension cords or whatever. Yeah. Yes. And they're like, oh well, Granny likes to make the Granny Shop likes to make stuff. And I went, Granny Shop. Okay, there was this. I didn't know it was called Granny Shop, but there was a sign that looked like an old lady with like an old lady robot. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And and I remember it being like a clothing store. There's hints that it was a clothing store. I went, ah, I remember that. I remember where that was, and I went there immediately. Yes. And so that told me that they were doing a good job of building out a world that I am remembering without a map, without all these things. I just saw it in my periphery at some point mm-hmm. and noticed it went, oh, that's interesting. Don't know why that's there. Can't tell if it's world building or going to come up. Mm-hmm. And I think the best part about that is they made each little, um, we'll call it location in the game, so unique yeah. and so detailed that there was things that stuck in your mind that really helped you remember those places. Like it didn't feel generic by any means. It didn't feel like you were just running through the same areas over and over and over again. It felt like each area was its own place. Yes. Like you remember the, the, you know, the grandma's clothing shop or, you know, you remember the main elevator part because it's like glowing and there's like the monk looking dude there or whatever. But there's, there's so much like flavor things that they put in that world, like graffiti wall art or, you know, like little statues or little scenes that they set up that you, they really like stick in your mind, yeah. which is nice. It it creates a vivid, it, it's weird that I say that it creates a vivid image in your mind, even though um, it's obviously a vision on the screen, but right. there's some games that I find you don't get a sense of that immersion. Like this is a world. Right. You feel like what's on screen is exactly the world. And it almost feels like the game was manufactured. Right. This doesn't feel like the game was manufactured. It feels very organic. It felt organic. Uh, uh, oddly, very counterintuitive yeah. to the, the narrative of, right, of right. the game. So given that we've talked about this game and all these different aspects, what of it, what of this game was your favorite aspect, your favorite part? Honestly, the exploring. Yeah. I am huge into like exploratory games, which is why like games like Breath of the Wild for yeah. word, just like, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Chef's yeah. kiss. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so for me, it was all about exploring. And in this game really facilitated interesting exploring, because like I said, every environment, every area was so unique and there's so many like little things to find that would give you, um, I don't know, like a hint of the kind of world that you're in. Yeah. And it, it kind of, it's funny because I'm kind of on like a cyberpunk kick right now. Oh yes, you are. I'm like, I don't know why I'm obsessed with cyberpunk flavor. If anyone follows us on Twitter at RBS pod, you will know that we hosted a cyberpunk party for our October Halloween party. Oh yeah. And it was fantastic. And you have been on a cyberpunk party. You've been on the cyberpunk kick ever since that original planning started. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I've actually been playing cyberpunk 2077 and I couldn't help, but kind of like keep comparing this world to that one. But it's like, I don't know. It's like, if you take cyberpunk, but make it more loving, Mm. Like it still had that more same- loving yet. There's biologically eating creatures, <laughs> yeah, I know. no food <laughs> and everyone is left to rot. Yeah. It sounds real more loving, Amanda. Honestly, it's like, I don't know if you picture cyberpunk, like the dystopian, angry, sad future as being like gray concrete blah. This felt more like, I don't know, like cyberpunk, but with like neon and sparkles and, and like, I don't know, a little bit of mysticism to I it. Think, it's, it's, it just felt different for I some reason. I think the difference is one of two things. One, they're both oppressive environments. Right. But one is corporate action of, of uh, oppressive. Like there's a corporation actively oppressing you. Whereas in Stray, it feels more like um, 
forget like uh no not was like you're forgotten to time yeah you're yeah, you're left true. to rot and, and I, that has a different aspect the also the difference is cyberpunk has a very strong there is no hope right and i was just gonna say that basically in cyberpunk it feels like no matter what you do nothing you do matters the world is still gonna go on the same way it is and everybody hates you and the world and everything is just sad Whereas this, I feel like as you play through the game, you're almost kind of instilling hope into this sad, forgotten world through your actions. Mm -hmm. And it feels like you're you're making a difference. And that that feels better than obviously a true cyberpunk world. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't even remember. What was the original question? What was your favorite part? We talked about exploring. Oh, yeah, yeah. Exploring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So narrative-wise, yes. story-wise, where we kind of moved on to the story and the feeling and the tone, what do you think this game was about? Because I think it's very clear that it's it's doesn't it's not like a Saturday morning cartoon where at the end it's like, kids, don't do drugs. That's what today's episode right. was about. It clearly is vague in its, uh, in its narrative intention. Sometimes games don't have any intention. The question is, does this have intention? And what do you think the intention is? Um, I definitely think it had intention. And I feel like... The intention was sort of a PSA about where the world is heading. Okay. It kind of felt, you know, when you watch like a Hayao Miyazaki film and you know oh, that yeah. there's like an underlying message about the environment or corporations or, you know, something having to do with like, we need to take action to save the world kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like this kind of had that same sort of like underlying overtone of like, hey, this is kind of where the world's heading, you know, major, because they always talk about that ne that Nico Corp, right? Yeah. So Nico Corp is like the big, bad, evil corporation in this game that seems to have kind of led the world into the state that it's in, or at least that's what they imply. Mm -hmm. um, and it seemed like whatever happened before we got to this state, Nico Corp was sort of doing things that put the world on a path of destruction. Okay. And... I don't know. I feel like they're kind of reminding us like, hey, this could happen. This is kind of happening already. There are corporations in our current world that are kind of putting us on a path of destruction. And all it takes is for, you know, one thing to happen, which I feel like they almost kind of, I don't know, when was this? This started development in 2015. So I guess this story was kind of before the pandemic, but they also talked about, oh, there was like a plague. Yeah. And the plague started killing people and people started to go into this big walled city to protect themselves. And the plague sort of came with them and, and, you know, it was, it was killing people and people were scared. And, you know, the, this Nico corporation just didn't really, it only kind of helped their own, right. Instead of helping other people. Yeah. So. It sounds like to, to succinctly summarize the story that I understood it as there was a plague Right, mankind was doing stuff. There was a plague. Whether or not Nico was involved is unknown. Right. Nico, strong, I, somebody built the city. They never implied that Nico built the city. No, somebody built these walled cities. But which Nico is, was definitely strongly involved. Yes. Whether or not they built the city or not is vague, but they were definitely involved. And then while they were in this city, they were basically condemned to, hey, the outside world is, it's a, not a dome, it's a cylinder, but it's a domed city. It's right, protected right. away from the sun. There's probably was artificial sun at some point, I'm guessing. No, they actually talked about how there was no artificial light. I'm guessing nowadays, now that things failed, but back in the day there was. 
Uh, it's probably for the upper people, not for the slums. Okay, fair enough. There yeah. you go. So you get that. And then obviously they started throwing their garbage. They had nowhere because now that they have a limited world, yeah. they started throwing their garbage to the slums. And someone, Nico, thought, well, we created this biological um, creature that will eat our garbage, as far as I'm aware. Yep. Um, and we'll then spew it out as biological energy that we could reuse and recycle, and that's great. But what ended up happening was that evolved and started eating humans. <laughs> well, it started eating any organic life, any and then it started life. eating inorganic life, and then it just sort of, you know, took over and destroyed everything. Yeah, first it started eating all the organic life, and then it seems all organic life basically disappeared from this cylinder city. Yeah. And then eventually it started to evolve to eat metal as well. Yeah. So Nico tried, the, the way I view it is they tried to do something good um, and it went to shit. Yeah. Yeah. I get the feeling like it's, you know, you could put, a, they're, they're designing it to put a lot of blame on Nico, but I feel like Nico just didn't realize, you know, life uh, finds a way. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And, you know, a lot could be said in the same way for maybe our, the pandemic that happened in our world, right? Yeah. Maybe somebody was trying to do something with good intentions and they created a super virus that just happened to get out and, you know, shit hit the fan and the world went to hell for, you know, two and a half years. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it happens and I totally get it, but yeah. So what do you think this is about? So you think it's about just like kind of like a Hayao Miyazaki story, which is a, a cautionary tale of the future, but with hope? Yeah, I would say somewhere between cautionary tale and really just a story about, you know, life persisting through an apocalypse, right? Like kind of very, like same vibes as Fallout, which is funny because I feel like the walled city kind of very much feels like the vaults in Fallout. Oh yeah, it does. Um, but obviously the people in the vaults made out a little worse <laughs> than, uh, you know, the people, well, actually, no, no, they both got screwed realistically. <laughs> but uh, I would say that at least people from Fallout survived as far as I'm aware in the story plot, no humans made it out. Yeah. But it's funny. There's also a kind of a subplot too mixed in there. And I feel like the narrative changes about halfway through the game because in the first part, it's more about survival and it's about figuring out what to do in a world with no organic life. Like yeah. how does the world persist when there is no living creatures? How, what, what stays behind? What lives? How do they get by? And then you get to the, the upper city, the midtown. Mm -hmm. And now it changes to, okay, well now we're no longer just surviving. We're actually doing pretty good up here, but now we're just doing the things that air quotes, humans, because they're not really humans, they're robots, but they have that very human quality. Yeah, mimicking the aspects. Right, we, we start doing the things that humans do, which is once we're past survival, then we just start shitting on each other. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, humans love to do that. So then this starts having issues of like oppression and classism and, you know, people who, you know, who has rights and what are your rights in this new world and stuff like that. And that's, that's a whole other narrative, I feel like that has like a, sort of cautionary tale attached to it of like, do we need to be like this to each other in order to survive in this new world? Or can mm -hmm. we just all get along and, you know, work together and maybe we'll make out better. Yeah. Um, so we talked about kind of genre, the cozy. We, I think we know what kind of genre this fits into. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of people don't know much about this game when they first go into it. Um, and it's not until you're about a quarter way through and you're like, oh, okay, I'm getting the point. This is right. a easy platformer, light, 
uh, investigation adventure, uh, uh, exploration. Yeah. Yeah. I think you go into it expecting that maybe there will be a certain level of challenge. Like it is a game. Therefore we always expect that games will have a challenge in some sort of way. And then I think, yeah, about like a quarter of the way through, you sort of realize, okay, no, it's not about the challenge. It's about the story. It's more like an interactive novel than it is a game where you have to achieve a goal or a task or whatever. Um, so once you've accepted that it's about the story and you are there to play through the story, then you sort of, I feel like you can enjoy it more as yeah. a game. Now that brings up an interesting question that we, I don't, I don't know how many episodes ago now, uh, we had Rich on the podcast and we were talking about God of War Ragnarok. Right. And he said something that has stuck with me quite a bit. Uh, which is when I was playing Ragnarok and when he was as well, mm-hmm. um, we felt like the gameplay aspects, the gameplay parts, the fighting were holdovers until we got to the story. They were distractions from the story. Something you had you had to get through where the, where the something you were forced to m- fight through right. to get to the good parts that you yeah. wanted, which were the I story. And I sat there and went, that's an interesting question. Um, and then it started to lead me into other games where it led me into this thought process of what is a game? Um, what makes a good game? And what this led to me is a question now that I'm starting to ask about many of the games that I play. Would this have been better as a movie or a TV show? Um, in this case, no. Because I feel like part of being involved with the story and discovering the narrative is exploring. And I feel like that adds to the game. It doesn't take away. Like, I don't feel like I'm just going and waiting between cutscenes or, you know, uh, finding memories or whatever. I feel like the exploring that you do and being a part of that environment on your own on an interactive level is a part of the story. And I feel like it doesn't detract from it. I feel like it adds to it. Okay. All right. That's an interesting question because that's where I was thinking of was, would I even classify this game as would I enjoy this more as a show or a movie? Because for a lot of it, the question like going through it, could I have gotten the same experience if someone had just showed it to me, if if I'd watched a playthrough rather than played it. And I think you're right. And that's kind of where I'm coming at is I think you're right that you have to interact with the exploration because you interacting with the world is what puts the world in your head. Yes. And I feel like I, remember the world more because I interacted with it. If I was simply watching somebody else play the game, I don't feel like I would have been as invested in what I was seeing. And it's one of those things where like you're, when you're exploring, you're not, you don't have like necessarily a set path. It's, it's visual cues that you see and you go, oh shit, that's a really cool looking sign over there. I'm going to go see what that is. Right. Or, Hey, look, there's a, there's a glowy, shiny thing in the distance. I want to go find out what that is. So if I'm just watching somebody else do it and they don't see the same things that I'm seeing, well, they're going to take a different path. And I feel like I'm going to miss out on the things that matter to me in that world, the things that get my attention. So yeah, I feel like the, the, the act of exploring yourself and, you know, going and chasing the things that you find interesting makes the difference. Yeah. Yeah. This, this really put a lot of question in me of what is a game and, it, it made me go back and forth a lot. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of games that you sit here and you go, yeah, well, I mean, the game was okay as a game, 
but it also would have been just as good, if not better, as a movie that I could have just sat down and watched and, and gotten the story in the same way without having to do all the shitty, repetitive yeah, other clicks. stuff. The random clicks right, needed to that, get through to the, exactly. to the dialogue. Yeah. And I, I'm always thought of like Telltale and Life is Strange, those kinds of games. It yeah. kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. And, and funny enough, actually, now that I'm thinking of that category, I feel like um, Horizon Zero Dawn would have kind of fit in that same category. Because I feel like Horizon Zero Dawn as a game for me was not that appealing. Yeah. Because it was very repetitive and I'm, I wasn't a huge fan of like the flavor of, you know, go shoot dinosaurs and whatever. Mm-hmm. But the story was really, really good and this world was really, really good. And I feel like if you had just given to, that to me as a as a movie, I would have enjoyed that instead yeah. of having to go and do these like shitty repeatable tasks to get these little nuggets of story. Yeah, we're, we're, we're jumping here, but I do have to talk about that real quickly because I and I think that this is all about that same concept of the mechanics of the game. Um, formulate a feeling that is driven by the story of the game. Yes. And there are certain games that I, I feel like a lot of the Forbidden Zero Dawn, the um, Assassin's Creed, the newer Assassin's Creed yeah. games, where you have this narrative story and then this mechanical. And for whatever reason, they don't feel married. Mm-hmm. They feel two separate things. And you're forced, you do one to you know, enact the other and vice versa. Yeah, I agree. You, in order to expand some of the mechanics, you have to do some story. In order to expand the story, you have to do some mechanics. But they don't feel they don't tell the same tale. You know, Horizon Zero Dawn feels like a game of barely surviving. Yet you're in if you're mechanically doing it well, you're dominating, right? Or not at all. Yeah. And I feel like that's different. This game, the whole exploration is leads into the feeling of the game of you have no idea where you are, but you gain your footing, you gain confidence. Right. And you gain hope that you can get out and then eventually you do. And that's part of what the narrative is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that lays a, a good credence to that. To the That's why this game deserves, why it was nominated for one of the games of the year. Actually, it won. It won um, Best Indie Game of 2022. It did, it did, yeah. yeah. It didn't win Best Game, but it did win Best Indie Game. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Which is, I mean, whatever. It's hard to compete with AAA titles. I totally get it. Especially since the same year the Elden Ring came out. Like, how, yeah. the, how the fuck are you going to compete with that? Yeah. And there was a lot of other big, like, AAAs. So for a, for a really small um, company with only a couple people to make a, a very small game. Like, this game was, like, max probably 30 hours if you really, really invested yourself. And I think you probably did it in like 10 at most. Yeah. So it's a small game. And the fact that they still won Indie Game of the Year, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, I guess uh, now this is where I get to ask you about your experience playing. So first of all, did you actually enjoy this one? Because let's be honest, most of the games you've played that I like so far, you have fucking hated. That's not true. (laughs) That, that's not true. Okay. Uh, well, I think you've tolerated them. That, that, no, that's not 100% true. There's been a few of them that I liked. And usually I find an aspect of it that I like and that drives me. And I think uh, this one was definitely, it was not the puzzles. The puzzles, mm. as you saw when we were playing through puzzles. That you, I think I made a comment where there was like a puzzle that came out. And here's the deal. there It was a hilarious concept to me. And I don't think I said it at the time because I was just so focused on what I was doing. Yeah. Um, I was going through and just, you know, doing the motions. And at some point you went, wow, Adam, your mind is really puzzle oriented. And I sat there and went, yeah, I I guess. And then I looked over and went, oh, I solved, I just solved the puzzle. I didn't even realize I solved the puzzle. I I thought it was so obvious that it wasn't a puzzle. (laughs) I went, oh, clearly the game wants me to roll the can. You get get in the can and roll it. Like this is, this is not a puzzle. This was just obvious. And you're like, wow, you, you figured that out real quick. I'm like, 
what did I figure out? <laughs> oh yeah. For, it was a lot of things. Like anytime that there was a little like obstacle or thing that you needed to do, it's like, you didn't even have a moment of conscious thought about it. You've played so many games that have taught you these mechanics that you just have in the back of your mind and you go, okay, I've seen something like this before, slightly different flavor. I know that I need to use this to get over here to do this thing to whatever. Yeah. And so you just do it. And I, it's funny because when I first encountered the barrel and you're supposed to go inside this like, you know, 50 gallon drum or whatever and roll it from the inside to use it as a platform to get up to another platform. I'm trying to like push it from every fucking side. And I'm like, I know I need to use this barrel and I don't know why I can't move it. I know the game wants me to, and I don't understand. And and I realized eventually that you have to go inside to roll it, but you didn't even, there was no like pause or thought or whatever. You just went, oh, barrel. Oh, you can go inside. Okay, I'm gonna move it now. Well, and I think there was also one, so speak to, to that, just where my brain was on that one. Right. My brain immediately thought, I'm a cat. If this game developer did anything of intelligence of, you know, an ode to cats. Right. I thought of the big wheels that cats, exercise wheels that cats oh, are on. Okay, yeah. And I went, this is this is exactly what this is. And it worked out. I'm like, okay, yeah, great. I didn't know it was going to work. I just went, listen, if they don't do this, they're wrong. Like the developers <laughs> are wrong. They're clearly not wrong. <laughs> they did it right. And then there was another one where there's this arm you're supposed to jump on and it moves a bit and then you're supposed to jump off it and back on it. Right. And it swings in another direction. Yep. And I understand that I basically figured out the mechanics to this game was just keep pointing your joystick in a direction and the game will give you a prompt to press X <laughs> and you jump to it and you just keep pressing X. So you just keep going forward. So I jumped, saw a prompt for X, pushed X and then did a circle with the joystick and saw no X's except for where I had just come from. And I pushed X. I'm like, Oh, it did something different. Look at that. And I didn't really think of it as a puzzle. I just went, I'm just following the X prompts. Right. It, I'm just, I'm doing exactly what it's telling me to do. I guess you just think of it on like a more base mechanics level than like a, <laughs> I don't know, figure it out as you're going sort of thing, which is funny. Yeah. So the, I, the platformer was definitely not something I enjoyed. Sure. It was something I had to get through. What I enjoyed about it, um, even the world exploring was I, when I first got into it, I was like, wow, this is really big. This is going to be fun. And then as more I played it, the more the world shrunk. Yeah. And each, that bothered me. I think each location kind of got smaller and smaller as you went. Like it opened up again when you got to Midtown. But even Midtown but was- it quickly- yeah, closed. Midtown was still kind of limited where you could go. And then, it, yeah, it, it shrank quite a bit. Yeah, so. so that part first excited me. And then I went, it kind of deflated after yeah. a little bit. I went, okay. So what I ended up really enjoying about it, what I really liked was um, the narrative, the story, the what happened to this world? Right. What's going on? I, I'm. Ex it wasn't the characters I cared about. I cared not about a single one of those characters. Okay. I loved the world. Listen, I'm sorry. I almost cried when we lost B12. Oh yeah. I have never seen a better like little friendship between a cat and a like a little Wally style robot. <laughs> and I was in tears when when I played through it. Even the second time, like watching you play through it, I'm like, this is like a tear jerking moment. I love this little robot. <laughs> it's like when he like lays down at the end next to him. That just broke me. Like and my problem was at this time, I knew the game was about despair and eventual hope sure i got that sense of it so that there was always hope no matter how bad things got there was always hope in this game there's always that light like there's another step two steps back one step forward you know there's sure, always yeah. that feeling so when the robot was like i'm gonna sacrifice myself i'm not gonna and it died i sat there I'm like there's gonna be an after credit scene where we see that this robot put its it, it, it's the ai because at this point i knew it was a, a human mind transferred yeah. into a robot i knew it was going to get its mind transplanted somewhere else because this game is a hopeful game. It's not a sad game. Well, and I got that sense and I went, 
this isn't the end for this robot. I knew that. And they only kind of give you a flicker of that hope at the very, very end when the cat's walking away and you see one of the screens in on like the side of that hallway, like flicker, kind of like it did at the beginning of the game when the scientist was in the network yeah. and trying to guide you to him in the beginning. It was the same idea. So you, you can assume from that little tidbit that they are back in the network and that they are still there yeah you know so whatever. i got that i got that sense and i guess because of my head canon it wasn't that sad it was a this is oh is it this is a minor setback uh, i still i still felt sadness i felt sadness for every like loss along the way like the friends you meet that get waylaid from for one reason or another whether it's the guy that helps you in the sewers and has to stay behind and is probably dead or, you know, Clementine in, in the Midtown where she like, you know, keeps getting chased by the cops yeah. just so you could escape, like stuff like that. Like those losses feel sad because they really build you up with these little friendships along the way. You help these people, robots, whatever, with whatever it is that's going on in their lives. And, you know, you're helping them, but also like trying to help yourself at the same time. And these strangers inevitably end up like sacrificing themselves for your goal mm -hmm. because, you know, you, they think you're important and they want to help you. And, you know, you're just this little cat and, and everybody falls in love with you. And it's just really sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's cute. I, I don't know why, but I couldn't. I I can clearly identify each character, but I felt like for the most part, they were all the same character. Momo, which I think is the main one, the first one. Momo's well, the first one you meet. Momo's yeah. the first one. Um, he felt not too dissimilar from Doc. No, he was like the Master Roshi character. Yeah, they they both felt like I get one was Master uh, Roshi style and yeah. one was more Doc uh Doc Brown. Doc Brown. But character wise, because they weren't speaking in a human language, sure. Um the emotions got conveyed, but I felt they were both had the same emotion. Yeah. And one was tinkering with, um, you know, a transceiver, and the other one was tinkering with a gun. Well, they're both robots to me. Like they're both I technologically guess, yeah. working people. They don't have clear, clearly, one's more courage than the other. But it felt like they were could if you had transposed their um, clothing, I could not have told them apart. Yeah, but you also have to beg the question too of how much personality and uniqueness can a robot really have? I think that's part of the problem is this is a world about story and character, and yet I couldn't tell, at least between those two. And the only thing I could tell between, I forget his name, wasn't Clementine, it was the one before Clementine. Oh, the, the Dalai Lama one? The Dalai Lama That was one. like jacked into the TVs? That was cool. Again, it was visuals only. He spoke just like everyone else. Sure. And he had hope for me and led me in the next direction as best as he could. But if you had changed the animations and put Doc Brown in the same position around the same TVs, would I have known them differently by character, by what they say and how they say it? No. That's my problem. Is the only distinction between them were their clothing. Yeah, I suppose. Um, and that's my problem with it, is all of the characters felt samey. Uh, maybe that's because of the robot faces, but I don't feel like that's the truth. I feel like they just didn't have characters well developed. They, they were focused on their clothing. See, I disagree, because I actually, I remember each character very distinctly and uniquely, for how you interacted with them and like how you helped them and how they helped you. And I I can like differentiate between all of them. Like I remember that Doc had Seamus as a son and they had that like really sweet little moment with Seamus and his 
dad, which yeah. I don't really know how you can have a robot dad, but I don't really try to argue that one. <laughs> um, when they, you know, reunite again and stuff like that. Like, but I feel like Momo, if they took Momo and put him in Clementine's spot, it would still be the same. No. No, they didn't have it even remotely. Clementine was like the female that had like the cool little mystical apartment that I want in real life. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get that. What I'm saying is the whole jailbreak with Clementine. Sure. I could have seen Momo doing the same thing with me as Clementine. It could have been easily transposed into Momo. Mo, because part of Momo was like, well, I'm a coward in comparison to the other ones. Yet he did all the brave things he needed to do. So what I mean is it felt like um, he would have done the same thing as all the other characters because the story asks it of him to do that. I guess. I his get what you're character saying, didn't yeah. drive his activities. The story drove his activities. I guess. And, and I, that to me was a weakness here. But I, I think I what I enjoyed the most was this was an ode to cats. Oh my God. Is this an absolute love letter to cats? And yeah. whoever made this game obviously has cats or has interacted with cats and absolutely loves them because oh, yeah. it's like so... It's the little things. It's like, oh yeah, you as a cat, you get to go and you get to scratch the furniture. Yeah. You get to go and like knead the carpet. You oh, there's to... a door closed. I'm going to scratch at the right. door. Oh, there's a little like comfy little spot over here. Okay. I'm going to go and take a nap. Yeah. Right. Like it's just the, the super cute little things that went, oh my God, they get cats. They absolutely uh, 100% understand how cats are. And yeah. it's great. I love it. Yeah, and they do a good job of also because cats are very uh, meandering. So yeah. as you're exploring the world, you feel, at least for the first while, like you're meandering like a cat. Yeah, it's true. Which is fun. Yeah. Um, so I think their their ode to joy to the cat part of it was on point. <laughs> like, it was perfection. That cat has character. I mean, don't get me wrong. It has character of cat, which every cat has that same yeah, caricature still like the character of a cat is still a character because yeah. they they really like fleshed out how even just how other robots interacted with this cat like you could rub against people's legs and they get like you know this cute little heart face of like oh this this cute fuzzy creature is rubbing against me and i like this right yeah so it's just it's funny it's it's adorable yeah um so would you have played this game if i hadn't asked you to like i'm sure you've seen you know, videos on it or her seen articles or whatever, mm -hmm. would you have played it on your own? No. No? No, probably not. Um, maybe if I had a sick, tired day like today and I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> um, yes, I'm coming off of a sickness. Um, not COVID. Uh, but no, just normal holiday flu. Yeah. Um, I, maybe, but the problem is, is it's so low on my type of game list that it likely would have get shunted for many other things. Sure, that makes sense. Um, so is it on my list of things I would like to have played? Yes. Would I ever have gotten to that part of the list realistically? No. <laughs> it got put higher because you asked me to. Mm, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the story of this game? Like, did you feel like it was just a story? Was there like a hidden message they were trying to come across with? Or was it just, I don't know, a story about a cat in the world? I was thrown off because I was very convinced about halfway through the story that it was absolutely about mankind transferring their mind in. First of all, I, I thought the question, I thought the whole story was about what makes someone human. Mm, yes. Because it was all these robots mimicking human behavior. Mm -hmm. And I thought at first it was AI mimicking human behavior. They evolved to do that um, because their first original programming was to, you know, seem human. To yeah, they were companion humans. robots. They're companions. So their AI evolved to, we're supposed to seem human, but also they're still mimicking it. So it's like, what makes human? Is it that they eat, you know, 
food. No, clearly not because they just leave the food out on a bowl and with the wires there and they don't yeah. eat it because they can't. Is it that they go to bars and socialize? No, that's that's not what makes something human because robots can do it too. Right. Uh, and, and you start to add up this picture of what makes a human human and it's all of these little things mm. that add up, these little in- idiosyncrasies between all these different characters and so on and so forth. And I thought that was, okay, that was a really cool question. Yeah. And then it led into, oh, no, these are humans put into bodies that have forgotten. And I and then, then the third part, so Midtown gave me that intro because they showed another AI pod, like mind transfer pod, yeah. and said that there's a bunch of them throughout the world. And I went, oh, so they're all like this. And I thought, okay, the now this is a world about... Now this is a story about surviving the apocalypse. It changed that ideology of, oh, this isn't about what, this isn't a philosophical. This is about hope and change and evolution. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then it went to, oh no, maybe these people were just AI the whole time because at the end you discover that there were robots, companion robots that just haven't, weren't forced to evolve. Right. They were in the upper part of the city who, you know, it was always safe, always protected, always whatever. And they just kept doing whatever program tasks they had yeah. without ever becoming anything more than that. Yeah. They didn't, they weren't forced. They weren't, uh, no, nothing in the environment forced them to. Right. Correct. And so that's what I, and I was very fucking confused by the end of it, of which one it is. And then I realized, yeah, the whole point is it's it's whatever one you choose it I think to it's, be. I think it's actually a little bit of both. I feel like it's probably one of those things where maybe originally the robots were just supposed to be companion robots. They mm-hmm. were they were obviously designed to be alongside humans and work with humans and whatever. Um, and I think the consciousness transferal was something that was simply done to survive and they used these companion robots as a host for their consciousness. But I don't think that was necessarily accessible to everybody. Mm -hmm. So it could have been one of those things where like maybe a couple people did this and then the rest of the robots either evolved or started mimicking those that did do the consciousness transferal it's hard to say you're right and it's it the game is you know the story is whatever you get out of it yeah it's whatever you want it to be so but i did like the the message of of hope that's good to have lately yeah, <laughs> um, yeah hope is always nice yeah uh, i did like the the different concept they so in a very short game i went through three different philosophical thoughts which is right. like okay that was deep and very quickly right. turned. and they're they're not just like you and know, in positive surface ways. level philos- uh, philosophical thoughts either. They're like deep concepts that you could really dig into if you really wanted. Yeah, and they and even though they changed and went back and forth, it didn't feel like the game didn't know what it was doing. It didn't know what it wanted to be. It felt like I was discovering this. Right. So it felt like the game knows the answer, but I just haven't fully discovered it. Right. And right. That makes it feel okay. Like the, okay, I'm I'm I can get behind it and support it. Yeah. So yeah, I I thought it was a great story. Like <laughs> as you as you can tell, it was really the only thing that drove me in the yeah the, and it was, was it was finding out and it's funny because while you're playing we kind of sat there and had the discussions of like okay what happened in this world what do you think happened right like wh- what is this game telling me right now yeah and that was actually really neat um so while you were playing how many times did you feel the need to go hug and pet our cat oh yeah well i think for probably more than 50 percent of this game the cat sat on the couch between us yeah he did uh curled up in my in my blanket and we just sort of sat there and every once in a while I'll reach over yeah, it, it was quite a bit. Yeah, and it's funny because it, playing through it, it kept reminding me that I'm playing as an orange tabby and the the lifelike behavior of this cat with like just a little, you know, 
minor things that you can do really reminded me of our cat. And it would just remind me of like how much I love our cat and how much I appreciate him and the little like cute things that he does that, you know, are just part of being a cat. So yeah, it's, it, you can't just play and not reach over and just give him a little head pat every once in a while yeah, for being cute. It's adorable. I and mean, yeah, it, the whole time was like, Oh my cat. Oh, you're awesome. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, do you think that this game was trying to convey a deeper message about society or was it just a game and a story about, you know, surviving whatever catastrophic event happened? Um, I don't know if it had anything to say about our world specifically, Mm. um, mostly because uh, if it is, I'm cynical and um, (laughs) I don't believe in the hope of this game. Um, The problem is, is fundamentally... I based on what I'm saying is I don't see this world as at the end, like, you know, the hopeful ending with light and sunshine, like everyone's getting out to me. That doesn't mean anything because the world started, uh, in this cylinder as clearly a tiered system, Yeah, right? It clearly started with the slums, the middle and and the upper echelon. So humans started that. Yes. And they clearly was like that before that because humans couldn't work together to solve this plague or whatever. So that happened. Then they changed to robots. So as robots, they couldn't fix it, right? Because we they maintained it, if not made it worse. Yeah. If they didn't, if they didn't make it any better, they definitely didn't make it. Definitely made it worse. So now all we've done is say, okay, robots, now you can go do all the same shitty shit, but outside. Yeah. This is like two kids fighting in a house, and your mother going, "Take it outside." The fighting's not going to stop. They're just not going to break your vase. It's the only difference. You know what, though? I never got the impression that the robots felt the need to adhere to the tiered system of their society. I felt like they were a victim of that and they were trapped in those layers. Remember, the elevator doesn't work Mm -hmm. and the subway doesn't work. And all these things basically kept them kind of in the layers of the city, but they never acted like they were above anyone else except for the police like the, the police, police and the government that ran the police sure but the people themselves didn't really treat each other in that way i don't feel if you were see and that's the one thing they didn't really explore was if you were someone from the slums and you came up there do you not think that like the store you know when you're in the middle city the mid city or yeah do you not think that maybe the store owners would be like oh you're slums you're dirty get out of here I it's hard get, to say. I get that one hundred percent that they would have treated. It oh my god! And even I, though the even though the 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 police put down those people, they yeah. would have put down the slums people because everyone shits on the level below. I totally forgot. We didn't even touch on the weird fucking Cthulian background theme that's going on with the thing in the sewers with the many eyes. Oh that yeah, was like the hive mind. They never like, answered any of the hive creature. mind thing. So here's another thing that I couldn't really figure out either is we learned in the very, very end that these Zerks, as they're called, the little like bacteria things are obviously susceptible to UV light. Yeah. So when the the dome gets opened up and the sunlight comes through, they all just like disintegrate. Yeah. What also happens is the police in Midtown stop functioning. Oh, interesting. So it makes me wonder if the hive mind was also controlling the police and that's why they were so different than the rest of the robots. Like has that has that creature evolved to the point of being able to take over the robots instead of just eating them? Hmm. 
It's an interesting question. Yeah, they never really answered that, and that doesn't make any much sense to me. I I felt no hope in that because I thought, well, these things evolved. Originally, they were created to one thing. Then they evolved dra- dramatically. Oh, absolutely. Then they evolved dramatically again. They're basically again. the Zerg. Yeah, then they evolved it dramatically sounds, kind again. kind of sounds like Zerg, too. The Zergs, Zerg. Zerg, yeah, yeah. yeah so then you have these creatures that are in the sewer system, under, away from the sun, especially the, the hive mind yeah. eye thing. Yeah. So all I thought was, okay, yeah, great. So you stop the Zergs from, you know... On the, that were on the surface because they just got nuked from the sun. Right now they're just going to How unleash. long until they evolve to be immune to suns? Sure. Like yeah. you're not really, you haven't really solved your problem here. You've just delayed it. It also <laughs> makes me wonder how intelligent they really are. Like obviously the little Zerks don't seem to be that intelligent. They just sort of like throw themselves at whatever, you know, like they're, they seem like, I don't know, like single cell organisms, yeah. like seeking food. But the, the big giant tentacle eyed thing from another dimension, it looks like. Yeah. Like, how intelligent is that? And is it still around now? So, yeah, they kind of left that unanswered. And I, I really, I totally forgot about that until now. Yeah, they did leave a lot of questions. And I don't think that's a huge problem. Um, I'm not, it, the fact that when I ended it, I didn't feel like, oh, they didn't answer enough questions. Like, they definitely left a lot of things you, unanswered. You didn't feel like lost? I didn't feel, yeah, I didn't feel like the show lost. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I didn't feel like, oh, well, that was a letdown. I felt like, okay, I got I learned something about the city. Did I learn everything? No. But I had my little stray adventure sure. through the city, learned a bunch of stuff, and then got back home. And yeah. it was like, okay, it was a little foray into this. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of cool. There was just a, it was a snapshot uh, of throughout the way. And the rest is up to my mind. And that's never bothered me because obviously Elden Ring's the same way. And that's one of my favorite yeah. games. You get a snapshot of that world and you have your own little adventure and then you, you're done and you go, okay. I feel like I don't don't know that much about this world, but I had my little foray into it. Yeah, I get the feeling of the world. I get the emotions of the world, yeah. which in my opinion are the most important part because all movies and games really are, are a microcosm of inducing emotions. Sure. That's all they are. So as long as you get the emotions, you got the important part. And then you just go to YouTube and, and you need to find someone else's deep dive and, you know, they read every flavor text in the entire game and basically explain the world to you and you go, holy shit, I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't have any other questions. I think this was a very good game, especially if you like cozy games. If you're, uh, me being someone, I didn't find it very difficult, but the story dragged me through it. Oh, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say dragged because that implies I didn't want to, but it led me through <laughs> it. It drove you to continue playing. It drove me to continue playing. Yeah, yeah that's a better way of saying it. Um, so I think it's a good game. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, it's definitely one of the better games I've I've talked about in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that impression. Um, but, you know, I yeah, I, I see why it's on uh, one of the nominations. I, yeah. I can totally understand it. Yeah, it was solid. I enjoyed it. 10 out of 10 would definitely play as a cat again. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I think the ode to cats was probably its big selling point because most gamers have cats. Yeah. And they we tend love to be, cats. We do tend to be cat people, eh? Yeah. And, and they love cats. People love cats on the internet. So I, I think I, I think if this game was, say, a dog, it wouldn't nearly get the attention it had. No. You could have the same story plot, but if it was a dog, it just it won't get the same attention. I think that's... Uh, is it is it specious? I don't know. But... <laughs> It definitely is driven by the fact that it's a cat. And if they didn't do the cat justice, it would have failed. Yeah, I think so too. I yeah. think the animations of the cat itself and the characterization of the cat in this world is was the linchpin of this entire game. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed playing a game that I chose for once. <laughs> and, uh, you know, our cat got some extra love out of it. Yeah. Well, it was enjoyable gaming. Nice, relaxing game. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, thank you for playing and enjoying this game with me and introducing me to it. Yeah, anytime. All right. Well, if you want to listen to Ronin Geek a little bit more high energy, tired, not the tired kind, uh, you can join us at the other episodes or you can join us. You can sometimes hear us on RBS Pod, the Raised by Spoilers podcast. That's at Ronin Geekery on Twitter for Ronin Geek Podcast and at RBS Pod for Raised by Spoilers. Other than that, I got nothing else. Me either. All right, then. Thank you for joining me, Amanda. Yeah, anytime. Love you. Love you too.